All right. I want to welcome all of you to the Talk to Q radio show tonight. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And tonight's show is brought to you by TruthDevour.com, CrystalHickerson.com, and KnotsForChange.ca. From the Enigma series comes the contemporary romantic trilogy by author Truth Devour. Wanton, the winner of the L.A. Book Festival Romance category, is the first book in the trilogy that will get your heart pumping from the start. This is no ordinary love story. Its depth of range eloquently transitions moods from sexually electrifying to nostalgic to existential. An unforgettable journey which will leave you pleasurably aching for more. If it feels so good loving the wrong person, imagine how wonderful it's going to be when you love the right one. Now is your time. Truth Devour. www.truthdevour.com The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners, a tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted, a ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. Change is a humanitarian and animal welfare organization dedicated to support those in need of help. Located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, our products are trendy rope bracelets with anchor clasps emblazoned with a tag word. The tag word on each bracelet represents a specific cause which will be matched with a charity. You see, Knots for Change's goal is to build relationships with charities worldwide. The causes we support are animal welfare, education, medical research and prevention, environment, human rights, veterans, world aid and development, mental health and wellness, health and fitness, and child development. You can find us on social media such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching Knots for Change. That's K-N-O-T-S, the number four, C-H-A-N-G-E. We'll also be launching our website on September the 10th, knotsforchange.ca. That's K-N-O-T-S-F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E dot C-A. them for being official sponsors of the talk to q radio show now my guest today is an author she's won the 2015 la book award for romance writer and she received numerous honors in multiple countries from the land down under in australia please welcome miss 
Truth Devour to the Talk to Q radio show, Q on One podcast. Miss Devour, how are you doing? Really, really good. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, and thanks for taking the time. I know there's a time um, difference, and it's, uh, what is this? It's almost Tuesday over there, isn't it? Yeah, so it's uh, 10 p.m. on a Monday night, so we're rocking the airwaves in the late evening of a Monday. <laughs> okay, well, it is 6 a.m. where I am, but I'm just getting started with my day. So the first question I have for you, is Truth Devour your real name? And if not, where did you get the moniker? So, no, it's not my real name, but... Um, I guess it was something that was with me pretty much for my whole life. I've uh, always found, especially when I was younger, I would watch people consistently, you know, telling what we'd say here in Australia as porky pies or white lies, as you might know it. Uh And I I would constantly wonder why that was. And then I'd started to realise as I was getting older that people not only tended to default to lying for whatever reason, they would start to believe their own lies. So I would always uh, have this catchphrase of devour thy own truth, which was my philosophy of, you know, lie if you must, but never to yourself. Devour your own truth. If you feel that you're saying something to someone because, you know, you think it's more appropriate to tell someone that, oh, their shoes look fine when they ask you rather than saying, well, they're not my thing and I don't really like them, mm-hmm. um, then that's fine too. But You know, when people start to convince themselves of the things that they're trying to convince others, that's when I find that people really lose their way. And, yeah, so when I decided that I would start actually publishing some of my work, I thought it made sense for me to go down that path of, um, you know, using the very thing that I've lived and breathed all my life, which was, you know, being as truthful as I possibly can uh, and more so to myself than anyone else. And that's where, you know, Truth Devour was just a natural name for me. Okay. I mean, and that's pretty cool. I like that. And I'm a firm believer of telling the truth as well. The last thing someone wants to do is ask me about their outfit because they're going to get the truth. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so it's like, don't ask unless you really want to know. But, okay, <laughs> as far as your writing is concerned, when did you start writing? Um, I, I started writing probably, I, I think I wrote my first novel when I was around 17. Um, I'd written in total around, I, 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 I tell people eight novels, eight complete novels, but in reality mm-hmm. it's probably closer to 12. Okay. Uh, and I only decided to start publishing uh, in 2013. I sat down and thought, you know, it's something that I always do and it's something I really enjoy. Technology has changed now. Um, so it's it's really an open playing field. I love, absolutely love anything creative and I always default to writing and that's when I decided that's it. I'll uh, start shifting towards actually publishing uh, works that I do out into the ether and see what happens. Okay, all right. And um, and I think that that is awesome and I didn't realize there were so many, 12. I mean, that's, that's quite a few. But when you first started to write um, Wanting, which is the first book in the Enigma series, did you have an idea that it would turn into a trilogy or was that the plan from the start? 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, I, I think I, I never spent that much time looking at other other writers' processes. I know what I like and I know how to approach things in a particular way that works for me. And uh, I had that story living and breathing inside me for a very long period of time. And sure, through the evolution of experience, it's sort of increased and there's been flavours of life that have added colour to the pages. But in essence, I'd always had that story there. I'd just never written it and I'd decided when it came down to publishing, I thought that's the one I'm going to do. And there were three logical core points about it, which is, you know, the first part wanton, the second part unrequited and the third part sated that made sense to me to be separate books but all interconnected. So I knew it was going to be a trilogy. I had a fair idea of how it would be broken down and, yeah, I set to writing and as it turned out, you know, if if it ended up being a five series or two series, I wouldn't mind. It was more just having a target. But, yes, I I did know up front. Okay, so um, as as far as the trilogy is concerned, it, it was one book a little more difficult than the other or did it all just kind of flow together and you just separated it into three? I mean, how does that work as far as the mind of a writer? Uh, I think that um, Wanton, the first one was probably the easiest to write uh, and that was mainly because it was um, incredibly familiar to me. The second one, uh, you know, it was great, but there was an evolution. I'd had the story, but I needed, I was looking for something else to add to it. And then I realised that uh, even though I wasn't externalising um, any pressures around making sure that it was a, a fit-for-purpose marketable book, I wanted it to have elements of surprise, more so for me while I was writing, as well as the joy for the readers. And I noticed I started to put some pressure on myself to ensure that, you know, I met that criteria because that's what I want in a book. And then, you know, by the time I got to Sated, there was a definitive uh, need to make sure that there was enough flow to show the commonality and that the books are interrelated, mm-hmm. but enough of it was also new and fresh and different because it's 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 about a, a a child that you follow coming to age, you know, and you wanted to be able to, when I write, make sure that even though it's fiction, that it has a relatable um, storyline, so that you're not sitting outside it and feeling separate from it. You're actually walking right. beside the characters, and I guess that's that's one of the things that. I had um, found by the time I got to Sated, I'd put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that it was, you know, just as good as the other two, if not better, for its own reasons, though. Okay. And, yeah, and you mentioned the character. um, Is it Talia? Talia Jacobs? Um, Yeah, Talia. She pretty much grows up in front of the reader's eyes. And so what about her as a character that makes her different than other characters we may have seen in other books? I think that um, one of the things that most of the readers have come back and said, which I'm glad of because the intention was there, is to show that, you know, ultimately life decisions, choices start and end with you as an individual. 
Um, she, you know, without giving too many spoilers, uh, you know, she she had some experiences that were insurmountable loss when she, you know, loses her parents at a very young age, thrust into a world where there's people that care for her but they're not familiar and she all of a sudden discovers from a very young age that there's not that many people that she's going to hold a connection to yet everybody wants to hold a connection to her and there's this I guess interpretation of the character as a level of distance but it's not distance it's more that uh, for her People are unrelatable because of the way they are or what they do. She's seeking something and she can't put her finger on it, that pulse. And as she's growing, she learns to understand herself more. She learns to understand others. She starts to appreciate and see things for what they are based on her own experience and interpretation. And even though people won't necessarily understand her, she doesn't need them all to. But the people that do get her... um, you know, love her for who she actually is. And it's a real rarity and it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people when they went through and journeyed with the character felt so completely compelled and fulfilled. I mean, one of my favourite quotes was from um, the US Review. Oh, yeah, I think it was, it was either the US Review or it was another group that um, basically said, Something to the effect of Talia is the type of person we all wish we could meet but rarely ever do, mm-hmm. okay. which shows okay. it shows the depth of what comes out in terms of um, the actual development of the characters. So I was really pleased. It was good. Okay. I mean, that is awesome right there. And, and I mean, as far as the readers are concerned, um, is there something – out of the Enigma, the Enigma series that you want your readers to get out of the books? Or is it one of those things where people are going to take different things from it? I, th- I think as individuals, we will always take different things from it. And and I think the charm of uh, being a writer is that you are afforded the opportunity to deliver a whole plethora of messages and, you know, it's an entitlement of the readers to go in and use their own imagination and flood and flourish with the things that they want to revel in. I have no doubt that people that have read it now, if they picked it up, you know, two years later and read it again, they're in a different headspace, different mindset. All of a sudden they'll read it and go, wow, and they'll pick up different things. And that by, you know, by default is just the way human nature is. My biggest thing about the Enigma series is that, um, and, and even, you know, the current series that I'm writing, I, I've got this real thing about making sure that I don't divulge too much about the books because I want mm-hmm. you not to have preconceived ideas. I really want the reader to be delighted by it. So, you know, if, if people uh, think, oh, romance or it's, oh, it's this, it's, oh, it's that, they're missing out. They need to be able to just pick up a book and enjoy it for what it is and take the journey and mm-hmm. take the journey in retrospect of who they are. And, uh, yeah, and I, and I think for the most part a lot of people have been very surprised with the series and, yeah, that pleased me a lot because that's what I wanted. It's, it's no ordinary love story. Okay. And, you know, I kind of like that concept, too, because I'm the type of person who, when I go to watch a movie, I want to know as little about the movie as possible. Uh, Sometimes when I see a trailer for a movie, um, I'm like, okay, I want to see that. I I don't read reviews. 
I don't try to learn more about it. I just want to go to the theater and just kind of have it unfold in front of me. And I do think it's more enjoyable sometimes the less you know about something before you partake in it. So I definitely can appreciate you not wanting to divulge so much of it. Um, but as far as the, the Enigma series, I know you mentioned that it's fictional, but is it based on real life experiences, maybe things you've seen or maybe experienced on your on your own? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the reality is that um, there's this colour added to some of the experiences and some of the experiences have been shifted in time. And, you know, I've, I've led a very colourful life and I'm not one to shy away from pretty much any kind of experience. If I'm in that mood and I want to go out there and, um, you know, drop everything and head to the airport and just jump on that plane and disappear, I do it. So a lot of, I guess... Talia's character in retrospect people that have known me who have read the book um I, I didn't by the way tell anyone that I'd, I actually converted to becoming a writer uh until the trilogy was out there and completed oh, friends that were avid readers and I'd say to them oh I said I'd they knew I read and I'd just say oh you know I'd seen these um this series I said you should have a look at it or you know read this book or and, you know, I remember a few of them had said to me, I tell you what, I'm reading this book and, oh, gee, this character reminds me of you. And I just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> In the end, when I'd start, you know, when I told them and I showed them things, they were just blown away and they were like, oh, this is amazing. They said, now I hear your voice and now I know why I kept stopping and thinking of you. Obviously, they're people that know me very well. And, right. um, I mean, including my mother who's an avid reader, I didn't tell her anything about it and uh, I sent her the series because uh, she's always looking for something to read and I said, here you go, have a, have a read of these and I'd forgotten all about it and it was about, oh, sorry, actually I'd sent her the first two and I was in the process of writing the third and I'd said to her, I think the third's coming out soon, I'll keep an eye out for you. And it was about three days later or four days later, she rings me up and she said, oh, she said, when's that third book coming out? And I said, what do you mean? I said, what, what happened to the first two? She says, I couldn't put them down. I just love them and I need to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. And so the best part is I sent her the third book once it was published and I signed it, Truth to Vow, with a little note to her. And, um, oh, she was so rapt that, you know, she'd received this book and she kept thanking me for getting it signed by the author and then she finishes reading it. I said, oh, you know, what do you think? And then she told me, I mean, it, because Sated is a little bit more, it, it's all about, you know, it's a build-up to finally finding that person that she connects with. So there is right. a little bit more... Um, uh, descriptives around the adult kind of nature <laughs> and my mother the first thing my mother said to me she says I'm not you know I just I just thought there was a lot of that but aside from that I just love the book <laughs> and then when I told her that I was the author she just couldn't believe it and then she said the most surprising thing I just I didn't realize she'd noticed but she actually said to me you know, it makes sense that you would become a writer. She said, but I always thought you were the poet because I'd always written poetry. Poetry and lyrics were my thing. And, okay. um, yeah, I've, I've, I still to this day am always writing poetry in different spaces and places. So, uh, yeah, when she said that, I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? I didn't even realise that she knew or she had recognised that. So that was cool. Okay. All right. That is pretty cool, and she had no idea. That is funny. Oh, no, <laughs> none whatsoever. 
All right, so tell me about Illuminarium and the Soliloquy uh, Labyrinth series. Well, firstly, well done for trying to say Soliloquy Labyrinth series. You did it well. There's a lot of people <laughs> that say, and that series. <laughs> and I can't help myself. I say, say it, say it. <laughs> so you did well. I'm very thank impressed. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take a bow. Um, Oh, look, you know, uh, the Soliloquy Labyrinth series is, I know, do you like that? (laughs) That's called Murphy's Law. Um, The the series itself is one that I'm incredibly excited about and really looking forward to actually getting an opportunity to get my teeth stuck into. So Illuminarium is the first book that's come through that I've released and I'm in the process of um, writing the second one, which is Insurrection. If people go onto my website, uh, www.truthdevour.com, and look up the series, they'll see what I've got planned out. The interesting thing about the book, once again, in actual fact with this particular book, I made it intentionally vague because I wanted to absolutely blow people's minds. So in saying that, I went and organised with reader's favorite which is a review group and I thought I'm going to get a blind study happening here and I got five reviewers from that group to review independently and none of them were going to be published until the final one came through. Five out of five of them, this only got released three days ago, gave me five out of five stars for Illuminarium Nice. and three out of the five of them opened their reviews with wow, oh, my God, phenomenal or something to that effect. And I just looked at it and smiled. And they said it's just mind-blowing. And and I just went, yes, yes, that's what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. And I think um, uh, there were, there's been some people that have read it and said it's just the blurb doesn't do it justice. And I just smiled. I think, yep, because if somebody picks it up and decides not to invest their time in something based on a blurb that, holds intrigue but doesn't give you enough detail, then maybe the book's not for you. The interesting thing about it, and this this is my favourite bit, is that um, you were talking about movies before. So yeah. uh, I my habit is to go to the movie theatre and I'll look up and see what's playing. Whatever's playing right now, that's the one I'll go see. That's literally how I select my movies. And... I had gone in and had seen this movie called Fight Club. Knew nothing about it, hadn't heard nothing about it. I don't watch TV. I don't read the papers. Every spare moment I've got, I'm writing or creating something. So I go and watch this movie and come out of there just absolutely on a high. I thought it was brilliant, thoroughly enjoyed it. Did the same with Braveheart. Did the same with you know a lot of um, Sixth Sense. You know you mm-hmm. watch oh, these movies. Awesome. Oh, look, you know, and for me, it's it's about that journey, and it's so rare. And if I'd read any reviews or had preconceived ideas by other people, I'd be robbed. Exactly. And it's just such an amazing joy to be able to be lost and allowed to take that journey, whatever the director's done, but being a participant in that, that I don't want to take that away from me. And that's what I'm trying to do with this particular series. Um, Like I said, to have 
have all five of them give me five stars, yep, that's lovely. But to have them go, wow, wow, I was like, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> people want to know you know they're welcome to go onto the site and once again i've i've put the button there so they can go onto the site at readers um the uh favorite so you can have a look at the reviews but once again you know people put little bits of spoilers in there and i look at it and think right. you, know, you just you just had a fantastic journey let other people have that fantastic journey tell them it's a great book tell them to read it but don't tell them the core of it, yeah? But I, I guess, you know, everybody's different. And for me, it's you don't look at the reviews. I don't look at the reviews. I just I just look at the book and I just think, yep, I want to invest my time in that. And, you know, I very rarely regret the choices that I make at the time. I believe you gravitate. If you're, if you're true to yourself, you gravitate to what you want to feel or need or hear or see because that's just part of life, Yeah. I agree. I agree. And um, I, I, I'm the type of person, I don't read as much as I used to um, because I spend most of my time kind of looking at news clippings and current event type of websites to get content for my show. But whenever I do come across certain authors that I may take an interest in, I'll buy the book and I won't even read the back cover. I just, I don't want to know anything. And it just... It just makes it so much more fun for me. Now, I understand there are people who want to know a little bit about what they're getting ready to invest their time in, but I'd rather take a chance and possibly be disappointed than to find out anything. But most of the time, it just makes it that much more enjoyable. But, all right, I have a couple of more questions and we'll get you out of here. But um, now, how, how do you get into, I guess, quote unquote, your space? Uh, to clear your mind to write, do you just have those moments where it just hits you and you're writing for the next nine hours? Do you have a scheduled time during the day? I mean, where do you get your inspiration to sit down and do what you do? So reality is that uh, I'm not regimented at all. I really don't like routine. So, you know, I'm not the person that will get up at 6 in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to write for half an hour. All those, um, you know, when, you, when people go through courses for writing and they say, well, you do this and you don't do that. And I think, you know what, rules are just made up by people. You're, you're a person, figure it out for yourself. Figure out what works for you. And what works for me is just write. Whenever I'm in the mood or what I'm doing, there's, there's sometimes when I'm just, I'm just tired. And when I'm tired, I'll write my blog or do something else and I won't, um, I won't write the book. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that I like to do an honestly really good first draft. So I don't rush through it. I take the time to actually create it in a way that would make it ready to be published it's not going to be perfect you know it has to go through its edits and stuff but it is as close as I want it to be with a few tweaks post that that's how I that's how I set it up you know being being I used to run a photographic company and um just something small but I was going to say that you know when I was doing that I didn't like the idea of going off and digitally editing the photos. I was a traditionalist. I wanted to try and get that image in the frame and the image that I wanted. And there was this just incredible level of satisfaction with that. 
So to answer your question, I just write whenever I can, whenever I want to. And if I don't want to, that's okay too. I don't put myself in any, you know, uh, pressure because I normally still manage to achieve what I need to within the timeframes that I set out, although I do put some incredibly aggressive timeframes against myself. But uh, even when I've got my downtime and I'm not writing, I'm drawing or online doing my social media or writing a blog or I'm always doing something, creating the next ad, thinking about the next cover. It never ends, but to me it's a joyous experience. So in essence, I'm always doing something around the work that I'm and the career that I'm building but for writing physically, I just write whenever I want. And, you know, there are moments of inspiration. There was one time with Illuminarium where uh, I decided with that particular book, I was going to go to local country pubs and just sit there all day and write. And um, I found this one day I'd written 40 pages in 16 hours. I didn't stop. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so. Okay, and... I have a quick side question, just just something out of my personal curiosity. Now, here in the United States, at one time, we really embraced the arts when it came to writing or painting and music. And even though we still have a love for it, I don't think it's as passionate as it once was, maybe back in the 50s and the 60s or prior to that. Over in Australia, is there, um, do you all embrace the arts? I mean, are there a lot of schools that may focus on it? Um, is the love, I mean, really passionate when it comes to the arts? Yeah, so I, I would say that it's definitely um, going strong in Australia. I, I actually see globally it goes strong. In fact, there's more access. I'm sorry, I'm kind of breaking up on me there. More exposure to different techniques. Sorry, I'll start again. Um, I think in Australia it's very, very strong and I think globally it's very strong as well because of the internet and the way everything has been structured so that there's easier access and a lot more people putting their work out there without having to leverage off, you know, um, platforms like publishers and agents and there's people that you know look at look at Justin Bieber you know he became a hit because he used YouTube as a platform you know there's lots of people out there that are doing similar things all very talented uh, just using and affording a different kind of approach to what was traditional mm -hmm. and as a result because there's so many people out there it may seem to be more watered down, but I don't think it is. I think culturally we're embracing it more. We are being more creative. We are being more connected and we are sharing more because we have the capacity to do so. Okay. That was just something that popped in my head I thought I would ask. So I think that's great. Um, I mean, I think the arts are so important and I, I feel like every child has some type of talent, but a lot of times it's not discovered because um, maybe their parents don't have the passion to pull it out of them or schools don't do it. So it's nice to know that it's still appreciated over there. All right. And now your writing is considered um, adult contemporary slash fantasy paranormal with a psychological edge. Now, that's a lot going on right there. 
So does it help your book appeal to so many people because you basically have combined genres to create your own and give the fans, um, give so many fans what they need? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think uh, trying to categorize the book is really difficult because I don't write to adhere to a genre. I write to deliver a story. And then to retrofit that into a category is kind of hilarious for me because I'm not the type of person that likes labels, you know, true artist in that way. Uh, so then what I'd suggest is that, uh, you know, if you if you look at some people have said that the book reminded them of a cross between um, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Never- <laughs> I, I know. Silence of the Lambs, um, never-ending story and, mm-hmm. you know, other, other, other ideas of movies and snippets that are out there like Eat, Pray, Love and I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, yeah, I can see what sections they're referring to. But if you actually look in retrospect around your life, Your life isn't just about romance. It's a multitude of things. You have drama in your life. You have, um, you know, highs and lows. There can be some, you know, thrilling experiences. Um, And and ultimately I'm writing about uh, characters that are living and very true to uh, experiences that a lot of people out there can relate to. So, yeah, the genre thing's an interesting thing. I don't do it intentionally. In fact, it it is it is one of my bugbears. I find it really difficult to categorise it. Often I'll say to my reviewers, what do you think? And a lot of them will say to me, oh, I'm not sure. Um, there's a group in uh, Battle and Trivia, which was a blogging site. I'd spoken to a fellow there who reads fantasy quite a bit, and he says, I don't know. It could just fit into so many different genres, but which one would you promote? And I said, it's not about which one's popular. It's about which one it could, which one is the right one to be able to help people be guided and the truth is I ended up calling it fantasy paranormal because that's what it is. And, yes, it's got a psychological edge because it's meant to make you think. Okay. That is awesome. But, um, yeah, it's like it's some of everything. So I understand you can't just put it in a box. And I think that's what appeals to so many people that um, regardless of your taste, you can find something that you enjoy in your book. In your books. So um, what's next for Truth Devoured? I mean, and not just with the writing, but I mean, book signings and tours and things of that nature. Yeah, so I I haven't actually gone down that um, path of being out in the public eye per se. Not yet. I will at some point. I've um, just put myself up on, is it IMBD? I am going to start traveling in the next few months, uh, probably early new year. Uh, I'll hit uh, Asia, US, and see maybe I'll, if I have some time, I'll go around Europe as well, uh, catch up with some people and do some interviews in person, as well as get an opportunity to be able to write in different places. My, my biggest thing about, you know, the writing is that I, I want to embrace the fact that, you know, it affords the luxury of being able to do it anywhere. So do it somewhere nice, you know. Don't don't sit at home. Write it somewhere right. else, which is why I love to travel so much. Okay, that's great. Well, you, if you make your way to the U.S. and you find your way 
in the South, then please look me up and let me know because I'm buying anyone with an accent like yours a drink for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, beautiful. I'm going to take you up on that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where can everyone find you um, on the web, social media? Where can we get at you? Yeah, I think uh, the best thing, go to the website, www.truthdevour.com. If you go to that website, you will see uh, everything that you need to know. It gives you some insight about me. Uh, it covers some of the previous uh, media interviews that I've had. Your one will be up there shortly. And, you know, it, it covers the series, what I'm planning, where I'm going. It has a blog. For those people that are actually avid writers or are thinking that they want to or are in the process of starting to, I've divulged my um, techniques, my ideas, the tools that I use. I break it down for people, not because I think this is the way to do it, but it's it's the way I do it. And if it helps you or it gives you some inspiration in any way, shape or form, use it. But make sure that you stay true to who you are. But there's certainly some really good touch points in the writing tidbits. It shows you some of my travel photos, people that I've met, gives you insights into the series as well, how some of the characters were developed when you asked whether it was on real life. There are some people that um, had inspired me and ended up being a partial influence as some of the characters. And I have blogs on, you know, blog posts on that. So if anybody's interested, have a little look around and um, invest some time and you'll hopefully enjoy what you see. Okay. Well, that sounds good. It definitely sounds good. And I don't think they will be disappointed at all. In fact, what I want to do for the people listening out there, I want to give away one of your books. All right. I'm go I want to give away one of your books. I'm going to get it for myself and I'm going to give it away. But they have to use this code and they have to email me. They can email me at talk to Q now at gmail.com. And that's talk, the number two, the letter Q now at gmail.com. If you email me with the phrase, you can't handle the truth, which is one of my favorite movie quotes. <laughs> if you email me with that phrase, then you will enter into this giveaway for um, I want to give away the book Wanting, the uh, first of the Enigma series. So that's what I want to do for my listeners. Um, I'll also advertise it on my blog over at www.thankq.me. Um, so you can get information there. I will put that up pretty soon. And I don't have a giveaway date yet, but I'm thinking sometime before the end of October, uh, I'll have everything. Uh, I'll do it before then. So, I mean, I, mean, I want to do that because I think a, a lot of you, I love the name. I love what you have going on with so many different um, styles that kind of fit into the book. Uh, so, you can find her Enigma series and the Soliloquy Labyrinth series on her website at www.truthdevour.com. You can also easily find her on Amazon by searching for her name. Truth Devour, you have the coolest name in the business, and I want to thank you for taking the time to do the show today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for all the great questions. I really appreciate it. I'm going to actually email you for the giveaway. <laughs> Because <laughs> I want to make sure that I can put in there, I can't handle the truth. 
Oh, it's fabulous. I really love it. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. All right. Not a problem. And, uh, and that's going to do it for another Q on One podcast of the Talk to Q radio show. Now, remember that the show airs live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. If you missed the live show, then you can still hear it, hear replays on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or the Good Radio Network where I'm syndicated. Um, when all else fails, then find every show in the archives over at TalkToQ.com. Like my Talk to Q radio show fan page and find me on Twitter at Talk to Q. Everyone, enjoy your evening. Peace out. In our purest form, we're all the same, made of flesh, blood, and bone. With a need to be loved and a desire to love, wanting to be heard, hoping to be understood. I am a teacher, a student, an artist, a philosopher, a mother. A father. A son. A daughter. I'm my own best friend and my own worst enemy. Do I possess a relatable truth for you? Come on the journey. Truth Devour. Devour thy own truth. www.truthdevour.com <laughs>